On this episode of the podcast, Westover tells us a tale of when a panic-driven decision set back a franchise for decades. That is at least 20 years. That's roughly 20 years, yeah. It has to be at least, because otherwise it's singular. That's fair. That's about 22 years. Four score and 20 years ago. No. Abraham Lincoln was drafted by the <laughs> Orioles. That's no. baseball. We're not talking that. What, what are we, we just, talking about? Well, we're talking which one? About, what? Which one are we doing? Reclining that sofa Football. and loosening that tie. Oh, I've done that before. Because this is mismanaged. Boop, Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sleazy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are talking some NFL. Warning to any and all Packers fans. You may want to cover your ears. Or finance Aaron Rodgers' new career by binge-watching some Jeopardy. Ooh. Love me some Jeopardy. Mm, what is Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> they got so many of those questions wrong. Yeah. I, I loved when somebody asked him on the final question, <laughs> who made the decision for that field goal? We all know it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. I was like, <laughs> who's to say? Remember when there used to be like, maybe there never was, but it always seemed that you had to be some way intelligent and like proven uh-huh. to be on Jeopardy. Now I'm not sure that has to be like... They did like series of things where they did like teens. They well, did yeah, celebrities. Yeah. They did... But like it always things. seemed like people knew... Knew weird, a lot of stuff. They knew weird shit yeah. about... <laughs> weird things. It's just weird. And it's like, oh, did they have to take a quiz before coming on? <laughs> oh, there are early rounds of Jeopardy. They had to play Jeopardy uh, to uh, get into Jeopardy. Unaired episodes. R.I.P. Trebek. Oh, love that guy. Anyway, so... You know, the Packers, one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. They have a yeah. tale or two. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Hit me with it. Well, first got to go back to our first football episode presented by you. You're welcome. Way back in episode three, where the Packers managed to end a long stretch of bad seasons with the acquisition of Brett Favre. Woo! The gunslinger. <laughs> <laughs> the Packers have had pretty much four famous quarterbacks who've played for long stretches and were very successful during their time as a Packer. Starting from now, we have Aaron Rodgers from 2008 to now, Brett Mm. Favre from 92 to 07, and then it's Bart Starr from 57 to 71. Nice. And then Arnie Arnie Huber, who played in 1932 to the 40s. He's on this list because he's also a Hall of Famer. He's the only other Hall of Fame quarterback for the Packers. Proud of him. But Julian Edelman's still not. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes, we can all agree on this podcast. Take that, Julian Edelman. <laughs> I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I don't know if he deserves all that. But yeah, no, he's not. There are just some people with a, a few stronger resumes there. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking it out on all the talking heads saying he is. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't right? even brought it up himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's done nothing. Everyone else is like, is he a Hall of Famer? No. No. <laughs> no. But between 71 and 92... The Packers had 18 different quarterbacks starting them with for them, with only one winning season before the arrival of Favre. Wow! Oh. So, what happened to the storied franchise with coaches like Lambeau and Lombardi in their history? 
First, I don't know. Tell me. I'm well, here to tell you. The coach has died. <gasps> or retired. That's dramatic. That's just what they did. That's the equivalent <laughs> of, like, your dog went to the farm. Oh, he retired. Yeah, no, you can't quit being a Packers coach. You no. have to die on the you job. You have to die on the job. <laughs> well, first we're going to go back to 1959 and the beginning of the Lombardi era in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. From 59 till 67, the Packers were led by one of the greatest coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. I've heard of him. With their quarterback, Bart Starr. <laughs> the name, the name rings, rings a bell. bell. Is he the I'll one buried next to Jimmy Hoffa on the south end of the MetLife Stadium? Yes. No. Oh, it's not MetLife. It's the old, it's the old giant stadium. Yeah, yeah that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this tandem made it to six championship games, including the first two Super Bowls. They only lost once in the playoffs in their entire string of playing and coaching together in their first championship game. This established the Packers as a constant playoff threat until suddenly after the second Super Bowl, Lombardi just retired in 67. He'd done enough. He was just like, yeah, we've been real successful. Uh, I'm done. Going out out on top. Well, that's back when it was still viewed as a game and not a career. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this was his side hustle. He was selling insurance door-to-door during the day. He was like, if I get any better at this... (laughs) Uh, this is going to be my life, and yeah. I just can't live <laughs> I with myself. Can't, I can't imagine that. <laughs> this kind of put the Packers in an understandable panic mode, where losing their Hall of Fame coach to retirement just out of the blue, they decided to promote their defensive coordinator, Phil Benston, as their next head coach. Mm. Unfortunately, injuries hampered Bart Starr's final years with the team, and oh. they would go 6-7-1, and 8-6, and six, and then 6-8 and eight in their next three seasons. I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, injuries <laughs> hampered Phil Benson. Great, yeah. I, I, thought, he was I thought the coach got injured somehow. <laughs> what, did he have a heart attack? <laughs> no, he played and coached. He was a player coach. Ah, oh, those were the days. <laughs> this led to the hiring of a new coach, who was also given the position of GM and being in charge of personnel. And Dan Devine in 1971. So he just ran the whole franchise. Yeah. He was kind of just put in charge of the Packers organization. He was like me when I start a franchise in Madden, where I'm <laughs> owner, coach, and player somehow. You're yes. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan Devine was a highly accomplished head coach coming out of the college ranks. As an assistant, he won a national championship with Michigan State. He went 23-7-1 with Arizona State in three years, and then went... 93, 37, and 7 in 13 years with Missouri, only having one losing season in 1970. Then in 71, he became the head coach of the Packers. Fortunately. Is that resume good enough? It's pretty good. It's not. It's consistency, minus one down year, which happened to be the year before they hired him. Yeah, but college is uh, not quite the same as the NFL. Yeah, like, very few coaches have been able to make that leap, like, super successful. And you want your coaches that make that leap to be like, oh, I've lost, like, ten games ever. <laughs> Fortunately for Divine, though, Benston had kind of taken most of the pressure of following Lombardi. Because <laughs> he did such a bad job. <laughs> But Divine arrived with the pressure of bringing the Packers back to their former glory of being a championship contender. Yeah, but weren't there like, I don't know, like six teams <laughs> when the Packers were champions? There was a smaller number of teams. There, in the were, there were six teams and six rules as well. Like, <laughs> six it was teams, just a free rules. for all out there. Westover, can you name the six rules? <laughs> no. 
Dang it, Westover. Wow. You gotta improvise. Yes, and On a group that really focuses on hardcore research, I gotta say I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. We'll talk about this later. Um, after work. Oh, no. <laughs> I expect your resignation on my desk by Monday. <laughs> I'll see you in my office. Oh, no. Ooh. Dan's debut with the Packers started off with some kind of crazy circumstances. During the preseason, he was trying to figure out his quarterback situation, and in the preseason opener, the Packers lost to the Bears 2-0 to zero when backup quarterback Frank Patrick stepped out of bounds at the back of the end zone for the only score of the game. Now, Frank was also the team's backup tight end and backup linebacker. Uh, wait, wait, no, yeah, no. Before don't, you keep don't going, just move yeah, on. don't, let's not act like you didn't just say the Bears and the Packers played a game to 2-0. Well, yes. that's not very surprising for the Bears. Yeah. I'm pretty sure their whole team is just a defense. Even their offense is a defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> I, I hear you. But 2-0. Yeah. Did this field guy, goals not exist yet? I mean, they're kicking in, like, the Midwest. It's hard to kick field goals out there. Just as Cody Parkey. It's cold. Oh, poor doink, little doink. baby. <laughs> the Bears. But this guy chose to not use the backup, the career backup to Bart Starr and was like, you know what, let's take this guy who we drafted as a tight end, played a little quarterback, I guess, and uh, let's try him out as the backup. Oh, the he's also, the line, he's also yeah. a linebacker. So he played... Offense and defense. I know I should be shocked by the things you're saying, but given this time period, I'm really, I'm just that not. That sounds about right to me. I'm, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, is he also the water boy? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he also sold tickets before the game. He's also the head coach's mistress. <laughs> now, his regular season debut was just as memorable when they lost 42-40 to to a Giants team that went 0-6 in the preseason. But... The problem was... How many preseason games did they, they have? Six. They had 16 preseason <laughs> games and, and then four regular, four season, regular games. season games. <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted those backups to get them. They really wanted the practice. <laughs> so they lost 42 to 40. Did they get another safety? That's my question. Was that, that the difference? I don't know. <laughs> but in the fourth quarter, Packers safety Doug Hart uh-huh. picked off Rand Tarkenton and was pushed uh-huh. out of bounds by former Packer Bob Highland. Uh, Bob, it was how could you? It was pouring at this game, and Highland was sliding toward the bench area where Dan Devine was. Uh-huh. He got his foot caught on canvas, attempting to dodge Highland, and was tackled by Highland. In this collision, Devine ended up suffering a double fracture of his lower left leg. And the, the coaches did suffer injuries. <laughs> he did get injured. What a wild, wild time. He had ended up coaching from the press box for a week after that and then would be on the sidelines on crutches until his leg healed up. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say until he died. <laughs> he was on crutches until he died. The Tiny Tim package. He was on the sideline with crutches until he died. Yeah, basically how you would deal with tuberculosis <laughs> in the 1800s. So this was definitely a rough start, to say at least, for the Divine's first year, as the Packers would go 4-8-2, and two, with former backup to Bart Starr Scott Hunter being the quarterback. I feel like they had a lot of ties back then. <laughs> yes. No, they had a, a <laughs> crazy amount of ties. Oof. Going into the 72 draft, Divine had his eyes on his future quarterback in back-to-back national championship co- champion quarterback, Jerry Tag. <laughs> Tag, Jerry. Jerry. 
T A G G E. Tagge. Taggy. Taggy. Jerry Taggy. I have no idea. Doesn't matter. It must mean he's bad. <laughs> if I've never heard of him, he doesn't matter. So that's my philosophy. Yeah. He's just on that list of 18 quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One of 18. The 11th, with the 11th overall pick, Jerry Tag became a Packer. And in 72, Tag couldn't win the starting job from Scott Hunter. And who ended up leading the Packers to a 10-4 and record before losing in the divisional round to the then-Washington Redskins, 16-3. Well, no wonder he couldn't win the job. That guy sounds great. So he Divine, this whole team around. Yeah, Divine shot his team back in the playoffs, exactly what he was brought here to do. Their future is bright with their first-round quarterback ready to take the helm in 73. But Divine was just like, let's just keep having this quarterback competition. Tag would only go on to play seven games starting in six the next season going three and three, throwing for a total of 720 yards with two touchdowns and seven picks. That's not very good. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, to be fair, this is also during the dead ball era of football where they're just running and playing defense, and that's the coaching method for yeah, pretty much everyone. I'm not wanting to be fair, though, so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell <laughs> I'm them that's pretty I'm going to sit in bad. judgment and tell them that they're bad. Hey, Tag. As if I could do any better. I could do better than Tag. Well, what? He was probably, what, 140 soaking wet back then, <laughs> wearing leather? Yep. And no face mask. You could have taken him. I'm I sure. could have taken him. I could take him bare. <laughs> so it's not regarded as a bad season, but there are teams like the Chargers at the time who had a quarterback thrown for roughly 3,000 yards a season. So 720 is not great. Yeah, no, that's fair. So Divine thought, let's bring in more competition. That'll help Tag just get it together. Huzzah! He, he traded two second-round picks in 74 and 75 for Jim Del Geizo, who separated his shoulder very quickly after that, and he'd be traded in 74 for a third to the Giants. Well, at least they got something back for him. In that moment, I wanted to imagine that the dude got drafted, and when you said he separated his shoulder very quickly, it's like he like, heard the news, he got drafted, he's like, oh, crap, I can't move to Wisconsin. God. Ends his career in lieu of going to Green Bay. Well, he, came, he was coming from Miami, so. Oh, yeah, one. Don't make me leave. Miami please. in the 70s? Please. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you couldn't drag me away from Miami in the 70s. Even if you wanted to. <laughs> the Packers would end the uh, 73 season 5, 7, and 3, and third in their division. Why are there so ties. many ties? Was overtime not invented yet? They were just like, oh, like, it's the end of regulation. We're done. Everybody they, go home. I, overtime can't be a thing. They had yet. like a 9.30 curfew, and they were like, all right, we got to go. Well, they didn't have lights. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing by candlelight. They had lightning bugs and jars all over the stadium. <laughs> But at the start of the 74 season, the Packers were 3-3, three and three, and with the shorter seasons, the playoffs were certainly not out of the question. But Devine just lost faith in his quarterback tandem of Jerry Tag and Jack Concanon. Tag had only thrown one touchdown and ten picks through that stretch of time, and Concanon was not any better. Aww. They just lost a divisional game against the hated Bears 10-9 on Monday Night Football. So head coach GM Dan Devine decided the only thing keeping the Packers out of the playoffs was a better quarterback, and he had his target. A quarterback who'd fallen out of favor with his organization, former number two overall in the 71 draft, Archie Manning of the New Orleans Saints. I've heard of him. I thought he was in high school. (laughs) No. (laughs) What? 
Manning had been benched for his backup, Bobby Scott, and a tentative trade had been reached with the Packers and the Saints until fate intervened when Scott would go down with a season-ending knee injury and the Saints backed out of the deal. Aww. I'm just thinking Bobby Scott, Archie Manning. is like I, I always find it comedic, those names that sound like you should be eternally six. <laughs> yes. or, a, or a comic strip character. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> Little Archie Manning, his friend, Bobby, Bobby Scott. Scott, that was it. Yep. I'll admit, I forgot what his last <laughs> name was. So now Divine's in a bind, and he's looking for a new starting quarterback. And after striking out with his first choice, panic begins to set in. Blow up the team. Enter the Los Angeles Rams oh. and their quarterback for hire, John Haddle. First, <laughs> he's like a freelance quarterback. <laughs> he's just walking the streets of L.A. like, ah, oh, got to get me a gig. Well, like he'd only played for them for one wearing, season. He's wearing a trench coat. <laughs> yes, a trench coat fedora <laughs> with, like, the collar pulled up. <laughs> he's carrying like, a pigskin. He opens up his trench coat. He has, like, a one-page contract with each NFL <laughs> team's name filled in the blank. He's like, pick it. Which one do you want? I'm here. I'll sign any of these. <laughs> Haddle had been drafted by the Chargers in 1962. Where he <laughs> That's like 10 years ago now, right? Where he played for 11 seasons, <laughs> throwing for 26,938 yards, 201 touchdowns, and 211 picks. Aww. That's really why he wanted to get back in the game. He's like, I have to have more touchdowns than picks. I just need two more. In San Diego, Haddle was one of the quarterbacks who brought the concept of airing the ball out to the forefront of offensive strategy during this time (laughs) of running the ball. What if we we threw the ball instead of just running it? But here's my thing. As I just had this thought, and this one segue a little bit. Okay, yeah. Right on there. We're talking about Julian Edelman not being in the Hall of Fame. Let's talk about Eli Manning real quick. Yes. If we put this guy in the modern era where throwing the ball is a thing, it sounds like he's just Eli Manning. So why are we talking about putting Eli in the Hall of Fame? I don't know who's talking about that, but I think they're wrong. I hate this whole, like, can you tell the story of the NFL without him? That's not the question. (laughs) Were they ballers? (laughs) Eli definitively Definitively was was not. not. Especially towards the end there. It just Uh. got kind of sad. So and we were like, sad. please retire, please. Uh, Just go out on top one, like Peyton did. The one noteworthy Iron Man record he was going to get his was own taken away. McAdoo's like, no, I will <laughs> bench you. Well, you were like, what? Half a season away from that? Nah. <laughs> I'm going to bench you. Don't worry about it, Brett Favre. You'll keep that record forever. <laughs> Paddle even led the Chargers to the AFL championship game in 63. In 73, he joined the Rams, threw for 2,008 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 11 picks, making the playoffs and being named to the All-Pro team. Nice. That's better. To describe Haddle's play style, (laughs) San Diego beat writer Jerry McGee, who covered the team, said, He is not a stylist. He didn't look good at all. He was kind of a stocky kind of guy. But he had a rare skill, and his rare skill was that he could throw a 50-yard pass or a 60-yard pass as accurately as he could a 6-yard pass. I was really hoping his random skill was going to be non-football related. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he could cook a mean steak. He could pat his head and rub his stomach at the same time. He could make a animal balloon <clears throat> that looks wow. just like Bard Star. <laughs> Ooh. That would be impressive. And the balloon could throw better than him, too. <laughs> you know who I'm picturing right now is like a 1970s version of uh, Brian Fitzpatrick. Uh, actually, yes. without the Harvard degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know Terry Bradshaw right about now? Uh-huh. 
bald, yeah. not a pudgy. Uh-huh. That's John Haddle at this time. That's nice. my quarterback. <laughs> That's my man. QB1, Andy Dalton. But in a trench coat with a fedora. And all the contracts. <laughs> now, it didn't hurt that Haddle was also spent his career in San Diego throwing to Hall of Fame wide receiver Lance Allworth, mm. who was one of those good burners who was just there and could catch the ball. Yeah, that would help. But... Haddle was an established quarterback who had proven he could throw the ball all throughout the 60s. The problem, this is 74. Mm-hmm. Haddle was in his 12th season in the league, and there was concern about his conditioning and the strength <laughs> of his arm. It, didn't you just describe him as pudgy and bald at this time? Yep. Okay. Hey, it's solid weight. <laughs> <laughs> the Packers even had first-hand evidence that maybe Haddle was on the decline because they played the Rams earlier in the 74 season, winning an easy game of 17-6, to where Haddle went 6-for-16 for 59 yards and two picks before being benched in the third quarter. That is pretty rough. I don't see how you – I don't know how you look at that and think to yourself, huh, our defense is just super good, but I'm sure against anyone else, he's a god. Let's get him. <laughs> we need him. <laughs> yep. Divine even discussed elsewhere first. He talked with Gil Brandt and the Cowboys <clears throat> about their backup, Craig Morton, who had been career backup for Staubach. But – Devine was just kind of determined. Whoever he traded for was needed to have been an established starter. And uh, word got out that he was kind of getting desperate for a starter. So Rams GM Don Klosterman said, John Haddle could be available. How about we swindle you? Come over here, please. (laughs) I heard you're uh, naive and (laughs) stupid. And looking for a quarterback. And... Uh, Don felt that the Rams would have been successful no matter who their quarterback was because they had a good overall team. So he's like, yeah, we'll trade you, Haddle. And Devine said, all right, yeah, let's do it. And they and he sent the offer what he wanted to send him. And the Rams said, oh, absolutely, let's do this. The Packers, all they received was John Haddle. Nice. The Rams received a first, uh-huh. a second, uh-huh. and a third in the 75 draft. Nice. Also. A first and a second in the 76 draft. Seems like a lot. Five draft picks for an aging, declining quarterback who was rumored to have a bum arm. <laughs> Which is important to a quarterback. It was just a dirty arm. <laughs> and uh, just, just clean that up a little bit. Thanks. <laughs> and the thing is, being Coach GM, uh, Devine didn't have to talk to anybody else. Nope. He didn't clear it with anybody else, didn't ask. He just did it. Well... Haddle already had the contracts drawn up, so he was, he was just like, all right, sign here, all right, perfect. And the tragedy. <laughs> the immediate reaction around the NFL was that the Packers had paid too much. Ron Wolf, then GM of the Raiders, said, it's one of those Raiders. things where you wouldn't believe somebody would do something like that. Joe Brandt just said, it's hard for me to understand. It was not a good trade. <laughs> just Thanks, Joe. <laughs> the team reaction in Green Bay was so negative that Devine had to go into damage control, discussing how there were plenty of older quarterbacks in the league than him. He said, I'm not concerned about John's age. He takes excellent care of himself and is in top condition. I feel he'll be with us for a long time. John even says he wants to play for four or five more years. He was not. It's Tom Brady, but if Without Tom the Brady TV 12 was, method. Yeah. If Tom Brady was exactly what all the talking heads wished he was. <laughs> yeah, right. If Tom Brady didn't take exquisite care of his yeah, body. If Tom Brady was just, you know, an old man that was talking out his ass. <laughs> if Tom Brady was mortal. He's not. Man. He's not even human. Barely. He's a god. He's a robot. Possible. Then things got tricky because Haddle heard about the trade and how much the Packers were offering. So he decided that uh, if a team's going to offer that much for him, 
his paycheck should reflect that. That makes sense. Demanded a pay raise or he wouldn't go to Green Bay. Checks out. Dan Devine said, we'll pick up his current LA contract, which is the terms of the trade and nothing else. No negotiations, no cash payments, none of that. And a few days later, Haddle was in Green Bay. One side had given in and Haddle said it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. He, he is quoted saying, the Rams and Packers got together and got it done because I was not going to go. <clears throat> it's nothing against Green Bay, but I found out what those picks were worth, and there's a lot of money in those. I was making ninety to 100000 I told them I wasn't coming until I made a lot more. He ended up getting about a $450,000 raise, Nice, and he showed up to Green Bay. It's a uh, pretty solid raise there. Oh, that's <laughs> smart. You know, look out for yourself. Divine got his quarterback, and it looked like it was going to work out. <laughs> While Haddle got used to the system that the Packers were using, they fell to three and five with their playoffs hanging by a thread. And when Haddle entered and became the starter, they would win three straight, including one against the Bears. They were six and five with the final three games of the season with their playoff hopes just hanging on a thread. Nice. They traveled to Philly in the winter. The Eagles, who were on a down year, uh, a lot of the articles kind of just call these Eagles team a terrible team. Hey, hey. How about you shut your but, mouth? Hey, they the Packers, were. The Packers were heavy favorites until winter weather and John Howell going 16 for 40, 40 with three fumbles with two of them inside his own 10 helped the Eagles cruise to a 36 and 14 victory. Uh, well, yeah. Well. Sorry, Eagles, my ass. Eagles well. are amazing. Fly, Eagles, fly. Well, it sounds like <laughs> Divine lost his mind. You're in a bad weather a bad weather game and you're throwing 40 passes yeah yeah in the 70s '70s. whose fault is it really i have a hard time for being so good oh okay that makes sense kelly green oh it's Mm. so iconic (laughs) no one can see your finger guns we're doing a podcast it wasn't for the audience it's for you oh i liked it all right west over keep going the Packers would lose out the season going 6-8, and eight, oh, missing the playoffs. Wah, wah. In the final game of the season, the Packers were getting blown out by the Falcons. And they gave up. <laughs> they were just like, we're going home. They laid well, down, <laughs> belly showing there. Please finish it quickly. <laughs> Haddle tells a story of how he went over to Divine on the sidelines and apologized that the season didn't work out and we get him next year kind of deal. Which Divine responded, John, don't worry about me. They're going to announce me as the head coach of Notre Dame tomorrow. <laughs> Immediately after that game was done, Devine resigned as Packers head coach GM, and he it was announced he was going to be coaching at Notre Dame starting the next Fighting year. Irish. Oh my gosh! What a good job for such what, a bad man. Yeah, what a yeah. good like exit. He got, he had like a golden parachute all prepared. He was ready to go. He was like, "Bye Packers, like, Ooh, back to college. <laughs> I'm going south, back where I was ben. successful. Ooh, Indiana. Hey." The Packers would end up turning the reins over to their legendary player, Bart Starr, as their head coach. But without any significant draft picks in the next two years, (laughs) thanks to Devine, it was difficult to rebuild. Starr had to trade Hall of Fame linebacker Ted Hendricks for a first in 76, or else they would not have had a pick until the 72nd pick in that draft. Haddle would play one more season, one full season, with uh, Bart Starr as the coach, throwing for 2,000 yards with six touchdowns and 21 picks. Starr was trying to salvage the team with players at such low talents that in 75, all-pro guard Gail Gillingham refused to play after being denied a trade. Fun fun fact, in 72, Devine decided that his four-time all-pro, four-time Pro Pro Bowl guard Gail Gillingham would be better suited not on the O-line, but on the D-line. 
What? It's it, a very different. No, it, it it's clearly the same to Divine. Did it work out? No, Dale right. got hurt two games in, oh. and was blamed for the team's lack of offensive prowess <laughs> in their playoff run. <laughs> Come on, Gale, pick up the slack. Yeah, Gale, whipping them with towels. <laughs> we play defense now, guys. Star would trade Haddle in 76 to acquire Lynn Dickey from the Houston Oilers. <laughs> nice. Classic. Where Haddle would play as backup for two more years before retiring. So during his tenure with the Packers, Haddle would go 7 for 12, 7 and 12 in his record, throw mm-hmm. for 3,167 yards, nine touchdowns, and 29 picks. That's Bart's, very bad. But yeah. he made like half a million dollars. Bart Starr and the Packers would make the playoffs once while Starr was the coach. But the damage done by the Haddle trade would set the Packers back for many years as they would continue to search for their next franchise quarterback until Brett Favre came to them. Dan Devine would finally find that quarterback he'd been looking for while he was at Notre Dame in Joe Montana. Ah, I've heard of him. So he, uh... It kind of works out for Dan, not for the Packers. Dan's like, I'm a piece of garbage, but I have always win. (laughs) I have an unlimited supply of golden parachutes. (laughs) Failing upwards, if I ever heard of it now that we've presented one of the worst moves in nfl history we're feeling pretty comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals to those gms who we believe need a little amateur help this week however we decided we're going to shake things up a bit the nfl draft is two weeks away and already teams have been making major moves rumors have been flying around about the falcons shopping the fourth overall pick so we've decided to each take our best swing at a potential draft day trade for atlanta Westover, kick us off. All right. So this week, I want to address New England coach GM Bill Belichick. Good old coach GM. One of the few that actually worked Coach yeah. GM dog hoodie pajamas. Dog hoodie pajamas. Interesting. Million dollar idea. All, All right. right. Quit the podcast. <laughs> we hit it rich. Please, we're not making money off of this. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till we patent it before you release this episode. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, TM. 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 Right. TM. We called it. We called TM. All right. Go, Westover. So last year didn't go so well. It's your first year without Tom. And the big discussion heading into last season was it was that was it you or him that was the reason the Patriots dynasty existed? It Why didn't, not both? It didn't help your cause that Tom went out and won the Super Bowl in his first year outside of New England. Did it not? Did not help him? No, it didn't help. Help. Did it hurt him? Maybe. Some might say. No. <sighs> With an incredibly successful free agency and several players returning next season after sitting out due to COVID concerns, things are looking up after a disappointing season. Mm, I would say. I don't care for their free agency. I like some of the moves. I don't think others of them were as good as people were making them out to be. They Some... signed a couple of wide receivers for more money than I would have. Oh, yeah. No, they, they're overpaying. For they, some they're basically like high-A prospects in baseball of like, we think they could, but they have no proof at this level yet. But let's give them four-year contracts and pay them a buttload of money. It seems like a choice, especially considering Bill Belichick is so good at drafting and assessing wide receiver talent. That was sarcasm. So he's got to find a free agency. It'll work. Maybe. But one area of concern is still the quarterback position where you're paying Cam Newton $14 million to be your starter for a year. But what about the year after that? Right now you're sitting at 15 and coming into the draft, all the quarterbacks will be gone by then. 
and there are a few whose play styles would fit in Belichick's system. So why not make a splash, go for a quarterback who would do well in your system, and even sit under Cam unless things fall off the rails again? <laughs> again. I propose New England trade up to the four so they can get Justin Fields. It feels like the one through three are pretty locked into Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and probably Matt Jones. Which is boo. Boo. Niners, you didn't. I, I don't care if he's your guy. You didn't have to trade up to three to get him. Boo! Putrescence. <laughs> the Falcons have a new GM in Terry Fontenot, who is stuck in the position of: Do they retool around Matt Ryan for one more push, or do they look for the future beyond Matt Ryan? If they're looking to retool, those pieces would still be available at fifteen. So why not look to trade back and acquire more draft ca- capital in the future? The trade goes like this: New England just gets the four. That's it. Atlanta gets the 15th and New England second for 21. And then a 22 first and 22 third. New England really shouldn't be worried about giving a future first when their normal pick is in the bottom 20s if they believe Fields is their guy. And Atlanta should feel more comfortable acquiring more draft capital to rebuild and retool. That's my pitch. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Ah, What do you got? Today, I am addressing Denver Broncos GM, George Patton. George, buddy, how's it going? (laughs) Look, I'm a Raiders fan, so I know how hard it is to be in the AFC West these days. For years, the Raiders were the worst of the worst, and everybody in the AFC West beat up on us. But now things have balanced out, kind of. The Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos are all kind of middle of the road, and then the Chiefs are, well... They're, they've gone to two straight Super Bowls, so I don't think any of us are going to be winning the division anytime soon. You could try. <laughs> well, the best we can hope for is a wild card spot, and I believe this trade could help you get there. I believe the Broncos should make a trade with the Falcons so that they can grab a quarterback to replace Drew Locke. There, are a lot of quarterback, there was a lot of quarterback movement this offseason, but you guys didn't make any big moves. And I hate to tell you this one, but Drew Locke, Hasn't worked out so far. He ain't it. No. Maybe the work he's been doing with Peyton Manning in the offseason will have results on the field, but so far, no one has been impressed. So this is what I'm proposing. Denver receives the fourth overall pick. Hey. Atlanta gets the ninth overall pick, a 2021 third-round pick, and a 2022 first-round pick. Atlanta moves back five spaces, but gets some nice draft, uh, some nice additional draft capital. And Denver can move up and take whatever quarterback is left after the Jaguars, Jets, and 49ers all presumably take theirs. Maybe you'll get lucky and have a franchise quarterback slip through the cracks and fall to you. But selfishly, I hope you whiff. <laughs> hope you whiff hard. <laughs> I am addressing GM of the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fitterer. Fitterer. What a name. Scott, we both know you aren't going to trade up from the 8th to the 4th, but you should. (laughs) Think about it. Let's think about it. Look, you just dealt for Sam Darnold and clearly shouldn't be going for another QB in the first round. But that isn't what this is about. What is the merit of trading up? To grab a player who won't be there later. Therefore, trading up to the 4th for a QB doesn't make a lot of sense anyway. What does make sense is trading up to grab a player like likely to be taken by the Bengals. There are two players the Bengals should want, and they are the same two you should want. So why not move ahead of them and get your first choice? The players in question, of course, are left tackle Penny Sewell and wide receiver Jamar Chase. First on Sewell, you have solid weapons for Sam Darnold in the form of DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey. 
What you don't have is solid protection for Darnold. Sewell is as close to a sure thing as you can get and will make the evaluation of Darnold a lot easier. Next on Chase. Joe Brady orchestrated his breakout season at LSU with Joe Burrow, and the reunion could result in some pretty fantastic production with all that firepower. There are good O-linemen later on in the draft, so maybe it's worth taking Chase at four. I propose the following. Carolina receives the fourth overall, Atlanta receives the eighth overall, and the 73rd overall, which is this year's third, and Atlanta also receives your 2022 third rounder. Nice. Sure things don't come sure things don't come around too often in the NFL draft, so take them where you can. This is most this move is relatively cheap and is appealing to the Falcons who would maintain a top 10 spot while adding to their draft capital. Mm-hmm. Nice. Also, I just want to say on this whole thing about everyone being like, oh, what team should trade up? Because it's not just us talking about yeah. what team should trade up to four to get a quarterback. I'm like, there are five first-round quarterbacks people are talking about, maybe six now as they're talking about that kid from Stanford. Oh, gross. But, Never even heard of him. Yeah, no, they're saying he's, like, got the highest ceiling, Ooh. maybe, but a pretty <laughs> low say? floor. Right. Yeah. It's whatever. Everyone's looking <laughs> for that Tom Brady. He's the next Paxton Lynch. But anyway, there's five surefire first-rounders. And if you're trying up to four to four get to the one. fourth best one, like, what <laughs> are you doing? What are you do- – it's not like they're all that good, you know? And at least two of them are guaranteed to be awful. That's fair. You know? Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. So, but it's the NFL, so you know someone's going to try it. <laughs> someone's going to, but how do these boneheads I'm keep gonna, getting jobs? I'm going to be so disappointed in them. Most of the Unless analytics, it's you, George. I want you to do it. Most, <laughs> most of the analytics point to you should always trade out of the first round. Mm-hmm. Every time. It, but, yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> In fact, you know what? Fine. That's the pod. We're done. We're that's done. It. I hate it. I'm leaving. I'm going home. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, <laughs> please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. Maybe. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you may listen to podcasts. In the words of then Notre Dame head coach Dan Devine. Ugh, I've heard of him. Have you? Mm-hmm. It sounds... Nah. <laughs> I haven't heard of him. Quote, A team is a team is a team. Shakespeare said that many times, unquote. <laughs> What's with all these sports guys invoking the name of Shakespeare? He was a big sports guy. He was, really loved the game. It's been games. like three or four times that people have mentioned Shakespeare. <laughs> he was a real athlete, too, that that Shakespeare. He was 6'11", yeah, and six eleven. the Celtics. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and remember, this was Mismanaged. Good night.